0: Hello and welcome to African Market Explained, a podcast by Bangdaba, Africa's largest startup diaspora community. Here, we leverage insight from experts to bridge the knowledge gap about startups and startup investing in the African tech ecosystem. I'm your host, Tomiwa Onolaye. In the ecosystem, we hear a lot about founders raising funds, but not so much about the art stories behind it. On this episode. We will be premiering a series on the fundraising experience of founders in Africa. To kickstart, I have invited a second time founder, Adesino Adelmi, the founder of TradeLender, to share his experience with us. Here's a taste of what's to come.
1: I can remember when we were at that peak and we needed um, some good funds, I discovered that someone had been trying to reach out to me for months. And I just wrote something, you know, I said, Oh, we need this this is what we're gonna use it for. And the person said, check your DM. And I checked, and I saw that this has been trying to reach me. This was in December 2019. And I saw that this has been trying to reach me since um, you know, maybe July thereabouts. Uh so for months, the person has been calling me, but I haven't been sending the call for some strange reasons. Um and then within about eight hours, I got the first cash, you know, to prepare us for Hi additional. welcome to Africa Market Explained. Hi, Tommy. Thank you very much for bringing me to this platform.
0: Good morning, good afternoon or good evening to our audience listening today. Yes, yeah, good you. to have you here. Um, to start, um, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and the problem you're trying to solve at TradeLender? All right. So
1: my name is Adishina, I'm the CEO at TradeLender. And TradeLender is actually entrenched in solving challenges, you know, in bridging access to market and finance for small and medium scale businesses. Uh, this is rooted in an historic uh def- defining moment, you know, where seeing growing up, I saw my mom, you know, struggle with her business because she couldn't get access to timely capital, you know, and then seeing how this business evolved over time into becoming you know, that's mainstream of income for the family and helping us to be able to become who we are today
0: as a family. That's quite interesting, you know, uh, I, I, and I guess like there's a few things you want to tell people about what you've achieved at TradeLender.
1: Yeah. So, um, at TradeLender today, we've been able to grow a striving community. We have over 245,000 investments within, you know, our corridors. And we've been able to facilitate you know at least a lower percentage of finance for those MSMEs either directly or indirectly financing is a major issue so we've been able to either give them access to inventory finance or put them on track you know towards being able to get access to the finance in the future we organize programs you know capacity building programs such as uh, the trade lender MSME fair which we had um, you know we did twice uh, we, we had two events, you know, last year, and this year we're going to be having two events again, one in April and one in August uh, of 2024. The goal is to be able to better position these MSM's, help them to be able to stand a chance, you know, within a very highly competitive uh, market, as well as also, you know, struggling global economic challenges that we face, you know, not just in Nigeria but across the world. We want these MSMEs to continue to create jobs that they know how to do, in, 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 in retrospect, if we look at the statistic, statistics, you will see that this MSMEs today account for over 90% of jobs, you know, that we have across Africa. It means that these MSMEs are the engine, still contributing over 50% of the GDP. And this is why we are very passionate about helping them to be able to move from where they are, where they are currently on the SAP, where they are currently maybe even on, on the bank or not even banked at all, to helping them become banky, to helping them become more inclusive, having access to finance, and being able to have access to legal markets for them to be able to, to feed their full potential. Wow, that's
0: nice. As soon as you are changing lives. Um, I guess uh, jumping into the fundraising question, I guess like for you to grow to the stage you are today, you embrace funds in one form or the other. Um, how was the experience fundraising compared to how you started in the first place? Uh, I would say that uh, my own case
1: was a bit different, you know, because again, I've dedicated the last, you know, seven to eight years of my life fully on helping MSMEs to achieve their full potential. I used to work with Stabic IPTC. After leaving the bank, uh, many years ago, I decided to focus on this part of helping MSMEs to leverage my experience and also the experience of several others we've been able to attract to the team. So it was quite easy for us to attract our space funding even before we started. But the truth is the global economic uh, you know, challenges, you know, has kind of swept a kind of new way in the market. So a whole lot of people or new entrants are actually struggling to be able to, you know, get access to capital the way we had enjoyed it, you know, in the past. Uh but again, the reality is that um the first point of all, when it comes to fundraising, is actually friends of the family, before you start looking at uh, whether it's angels or VC. You have people that trust you, people that believe in your potentials, that they know whether you're going to fail or you're going to succeed. And they've seen even what you've done in terms of track record. They're the first point of call, whether you can raise at least between 20 to maybe 100, you know, uh, to actually validate your solution or your offering to the market. And this is what we did. Uh, where we first started you know going to those that knew us engaging with them sharing the idea and helping them to be part of the vision that we have for the smaller medium scale businesses i
0: am I'm just imagining that when you first left some San- some big seven years ago and uh, you wanted to go to the startup world and you know you needed to raise funds like how was the first experience trying to raise your first check to build what you are passionate about
1: the truth is I didn't even know anything about how to raise funds when I left Stamika IBTC. It's quite it's quite funny, but that's the truth. Because when I left Stamika BTC, I just wanted to, you know, like support these businesses. I felt, oh, access to market was a major issue, you know, access to finance too is a major issue. Let's see how we can bridge it. You know, but I never thought I myself needed finance as a small business owner or as someone who is just starting, you know, to actually be able to. Really they support these guys, you know, I just thought, no, know, I don't, I'm from the bank, actually, we could get access to it, but the reality is, it was quite tough Because again, there was no track record. Uh, working in the bank is not just, it's not sufficient uh, as a track record. Yes, I had uh, a couple of people who still believed in me, um, you know, so previous, uh, people who had encounter with me at various stages of, of growth, but again, people need to see what you are capable of doing over the years that when it becomes easier. But one of the things that I can say really changed um, the trajectory was the fact that I leveraged on strong mentors and also you know, strengthened and built my inner set uh, in terms of relationships. Meaningful relationships actually helped me uh, towards far to where I am today, either in terms of introductions uh, where I don't, you know, I've never even thought that people will mention my name or perhaps, you know, somebody just, you know, put in a word. Oh. Uh, that has really helped. Um, I leverage a lot at my early days and I still do, even to today, people feel like there is no need for you to have a mentor. But if your mentor has a mentor, everybody has somebody, you know, who they can leverage on. Uh, you know, to be able to get results, to be able to achieve the next phase of growth, uh, or maybe the next phase of their career, uh, uh, you know, growth, you know, that they are looking out for. So, uh, the value of mentorship cannot be overemphasized. The value of personal development cannot be overemphasized. I did not get it. You know, when I first started, but the truth is when I, as I progressed, I can remember when we were at that peak and we needed um, some good funds. I discovered that someone had been trying to reach out to me for months and I just wrote something, you know, I said, oh, we need, this is what we're going to use it for. And the person said, check your DM. And I checked and I saw that this has been trying to reach me. This was in December, 2019. And I saw that they started trying to reach me since, uh, um, you know, maybe July thereabouts. Uh so for months the person has been calling me, but I haven't been sending the call for some strange reasons. Um and then within about eight hours, I got the first cash, you know, to prepare us for
0: Wow, that's interesting. know yeah. Uh going back to something you mentioned initially, talking about the uh, angels as or family and friends, as being the first point of contact when you want to respond. I, what type of investors have you raised funds from and how did you approach these different type of investors? Well, at the early stage of fundraising,
1: um, mm-hmm. what I see, what I see is really an act, so I don't think there's really one size fit all as regards to fundraising. But what has worked for us is constantly putting, um, you know, what we do out there and people who are interested in the vision. Remember, not everybody likes to work with people during financial inclusion. Some people are focused on just healthcare. care. Some people have a personal, you know, experience that whenever you talk about healthcare, care, they are ready to give you everything they saved, you know, <laughs> as an investment to commit in or to help you really, really solve that health challenge because they've experienced it and they don't want others to also go through it. Some people is financial education because they had that experience, you know, seeing how very little was able to prepare them to where they are. You know why I saw is education. They they owe everything they have to the to quality education. So if you are in the edu tech, they would help you. So for me, um the first funding, like I said, that we finally received was just from a post. So it wasn't as if I was doing anything, but obviously the best has been seeing our progress. And then by the time I said we needed XYZ, the person reached out and said, check your DM, you know, meaning that they have been trying to reach out. I didn't even notice. It means that people are always watching. That's a lot. that. it. So whether or not you are actively trying to raise, people are watching, people are observing, you know, seeing how you are actually progressing. So when they said, check your DM, um, I checked and then you know, we met the next day, and uh, within forty hours, like I said, from the time he said check your DM, I had cash in dollars. You know, with you know, with me for so, uh, an investment, and I think from from then on, we uh, raised from angels, we raised from you know accelerated programs, we raised from even proper pieces, um, You know, so yeah, you know, but again, like I see, like I said, there's no. Um, one size fits or is about you just finding what works for you, but the greater and stronger your network, the more easier it is for you to raise because those are the first people who observe it. Those are the first people who would also make introductions. So the next people who can give you a bigger size ticket for you to achieve the next milestone.
0: That's awesome. Um, touching on that last point you mentioned, talking about support, um, I remember that uh, one of the things we've had several interactions from when you had, we were running one chaos Africa and now when you were having Banta by, you know, talking so that we could leverage each other's network to to actually, you know, get that investor in true. Can you just touch a bit more about the importance of having a very extensive support when it comes to fundraising in Africa? Uh, so, you know,
1: the way it works in Africa is, um, we, we are people oriented, you know, Africa is the, like, I don't want to say it's a nation, people think it's a nation, but it's not a nation, you know, it's a continent, you know, that people, you know, feel comfortable when they get, you know, introduced from someone they trust. So the key factor here is trust. So having a strong support system really, really helps. If you look at those companies who have done successfully well, um, whichever metrics you look at it, whether it's fundraising-wise or maybe even uh, product-wise, they're actually people who have built a strong community. It's either they annex the opportunity from the existing community that exists or they build theirs from scratch. So support system is very important. And this is what um, your platform, you know, and others, you know, have really provided uh, for entrepreneurs to be able to leverage on. Uh, You have a whole lot of them all across Africa. You know, if you want to raise funds from a foreign investor and there's no local person that believes in you, that person will be skeptical because they don't know you. They don't, maybe they haven't even stepped their feet, you know, in Africa. They just hear about you know, the issues and the challenges in Africa, they don't understand the market. They need somebody in Africa to be able to vouch for you, to be able to also commit that they also have a skin in the game uh, to work with you through this journey. And again, nobody knows it all. Uh, so it's always important that you leverage on the experience of others. You know, they might not be founders. You know, they might not even be investors. But again, have advisors or have people you know, or a support um, system that you can
0: always leverage on. Hey, thank you very much for that. Um, So to round up, let's um, have something to say to the founders that are listening to us. Um, If you, what do you wish you knew now before you started fundraising? What are those things you think you you should have known before you started fundraising?
1: So fundraising is is not the end game the end game is staying alive the end game is for you to have a product that the customer wants fundraising is just a catalyst to propel you to the next stage one of the first mistakes i made um you know my previous startup i was you know believing that oh Fundraise, they grow, 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 you know, and it's very, very, um, very, very, it's something that is common, you know, within the tech ecosystem. You you get the fundraising, you are not sure if you actually achieve product market fit, and then you just burn cash. Um, for me, I strongly believe that that's not the way to go. And if you have investors who also think that's the way to go, then you need to actually be conscious that those are not the right investors for you. It has to be a blend of high growth and also sustainable growth. Because let's say, let's take for example, those who are not generating revenue at all and have raised millions of dollars, they're still in the same position of those who have not raised at all today. So you need to be conscious about raising too much, raising before you need it. Raising before you even achieve product market fit, because there would always be a need of where to spend the money. The question is, are you actually spending the money in the right place? Or are you just spending the money because the money is available. And those are mistakes also that investors make. Some investors just think, oh, because he went to Harvard. Oh, because he has worked with, with Google or because he has worked with Alibaba. He's going to be successful. No. It's not going to be successful. Let him even build something. Let's see the track record. Let him even achieve something before you start following him with, you know, millions of dollars. At the end of the day, he shuts down. Everybody moves on, you know, and then the investor has to take the, 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 the you know, the sour pin. but again, there are, there are, there are situations beyond the control of some founders and within this ecosystem. There are also situations or instances where investors tell you, I'm going to give you $300,000. They sign the paper, they sign the term sheet. And then this founder with maybe $200,000 already dropped rose <laughs> to achieve the next milestone, believing that $300,000 is coming before the end of Q1. And then the $300,000 never comes. So, those investors, please stop doing it it's not good if you don't have the cash don't sign any term sheets we all understand but again I think I'm shaking too much stigma today but <laughs>
0: no, um, I think it's good to call down the bad, bad players in the, in the ecosystem yeah we can call it actually and but, no, yeah we can' call it but we can see what yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't don't sign the term sheets. just let the because you've seen this VC and the startup, this thing—we are all building something. The only thing is, one person is building money in terms of getting money to give to the, you know, founders. Why the other is building a product to give to the end users. So let's not waste our time. Let's not, you know, be that element that prepares the failure of the other party. Same for founders, don't be that element, you know, that makes, you know, a VC not able to raise subsequent fund. If you're not ready for it, don't take it. Don't be greedy, you know. But again, the fund managers, VCs, don't. I'm very serious. There are a lot of people who are at the verge of shutting down, even as we speak right now, because their money has not come. They've announced, they've made a lot of noise, but the money has not come. You know, please. Let's not do that. It's not healthy for the
0: ecosystem as in. Thank you very much, Ades, for sharing your world of experience. Uh, this has been a lot. You've asked very difficult questions and shared very, very insightful thoughts. Uh, thank you for coming on. Hopefully, we'll have you back again when you reach your next round. Hopefully, we don't encounter those who we say is coming for But that was good. Uh, thank you very much um for our listeners you can follow the growth of additional and trade lender on linkedin at additional i deal with me john i just noticed your last name john on linkedin that's good uh thank you very much again thank you for listening what are your top takeaway from the conversation with additional my topics are one that fundraising at an early stage is more of an art There is no one-size-fits-all strategy to fundraising. It depends on the type of investor and what you are building. Two, the importance of trust and a strong support system while raising the African tech ecosystem. Three, that VCs without capital should stop signing timesheets as it affects founders' plans and increases the risk of startup failure. What are yours? Share it in the comments below. Did you learn a lot from this episode? You can learn more by clicking the subscribe button to get reminder on all the juicy contents we share. This podcast was brought to you by Bantaba, Africa's largest startup diaspora community. Get in touch at contact at our or our Bantaba on social media. If you are a startup that is fundraising or a diaspora looking to explore the African tech ecosystem. Goodbye. See you next time on Africa's Market Explained.